This podcast is brought to you courtesy of Renault, the world's most exclusive sunglasses. It's now available at renault.co.uk and at select boutiques around the globe. You are listening to the Official Concept Podcast. Enjoy listening to Alan. Josh Plus. Welcome. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. No problem. It's a pleasure to have you on as well. The first question I'd like to ask you is, what inspired you to undertake the Rock Run campaign? Rocking 22 miles each day for 22 days. And what motivated you to specifically choose those number 22 for this endeavor? Yeah, yeah. Great question. Um, so the inspiration is a multitude of things. Um, my father was a Navy SEAL, so I grew up uh, in the community myself, surrounded by a lot of uh, active duty military members and veterans. Um, so I saw a lot of, raw, of loss growing up. And uh, given that I ended up going in a different direction career wise, I essentially just felt like this was something for me to give back and uh, a good way for me to kind of help in the way that I can here. Uh, so I wanted to do something with it. And uh, the reason I chose 22 is uh, kind of a long story short that there is essentially no one number right now, um, unfortunately, but 22 is the community consensus of how many veterans commit suicide today in the United States. Um, the VA and the Department of Defense, they suggest numbers around 17 to 19, whereas IA, VA, and other statistics say it's as high as 25. So um, I wanted to make sure that I was picking a number that was as authentic and true as it is. And that tends to be the number that most people go with with 22. Um, and there's actually a number of 501Cs out there like Mission 22, et cetera. Um, there's even a slogan, 22 a day. And so we chose that number to signify you know, suicides per day. And hopefully as I ruck, uh, that number will be sort of pounded into everyone's consciousness to try to start spreading awareness to the issue. Can you share a personal story or experience that deeply resonated with you combating military suicide and contribute to your dedication to this cause? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I would say the shortest and easiest is that I, I lost about three of my friends uh, to suicide in 2022, um, just post-pandemic with a number of things, um, one of which was a veteran. And then one of my best friends, actually, um, I was living with him at the time in Los Angeles, and uh, we were together one evening. Uh, he got a phone call that his brother had just committed suicide. And obviously that changed him forever. Um, but it also stuck with me for a long time as I saw the way that it changed him as a human being and the way it affected and, and impacted him. Um, so after all of those things sort of combined, uh, this has been on my heart ever since. Oh, man, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. I appreciate that very much, man. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a really tough thing, but uh, tougher for him, obviously, than me. You know, it was a greater loss for him than I, that specific scenario. But uh, just an epidemic. I mean, most like I said, most people don't know that even outside of, of veterans, uh, last year was the highest recordation of suicides ever in the United States of America. So it's, you know, it's an epidemic, man. And uh, just really hoping that uh, this not only raises the awareness and the funds for Stop Soldier Suicide, which is who I'm doing this campaign for, but I'm hoping that it just spreads general awareness and hope, uh, period, about how many suicides there are per day here in the United States. It's, oh man, that's, that's so sad. Um, with, with that, with, with you saying that the statistics, the highest that it's ever been, is that solely for the, the average rate of suicides in general or mainly the military? Uh, both, uh, both, but primarily in general. Uh, from, a, from a general U.S. populist standpoint, the research suggests that there's 132 deaths per day by suicide in the United States. Most people can't even comprehend how, how insane that is. Um, and then with the 22 per day in the veterans, obviously those are staggering statistics as well. So yeah, it's both. <clears throat> the rock run involves both physical challenges and interviews with families affected by military suicide. How do you envision these components working together to raise awareness and affect change? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, well, the Ruck Run itself um, is designated, obviously, it's a pretty monumental task, if you will, with, uh, you know, it's just south of 500 miles, 22 days. So um, one, I'm hoping that the task itself will raise eyes to spread awareness and that this as a social media campaign will spread these videos throughout. I've got a camera team following me and uh, we're going to take, you know, we're going to have content every single day of the challenges that go into what looks like. And the 22 miles, as I said earlier, the 22 pound rucksack, 22 days, that's all going to uh, metaphorically and 
quite literally reinforce that number to spread that awareness. So that's the first element of it. Um, and then hopefully point people in the direction of stop soldier suicide. And basically the way that people can donate is by going to the website and you'll see that you can pledge money per mile that I complete. So I mean, obviously I intend to complete the entirety of it, but someone can give one cent per mile, for example, and they would have given, you know, 480 cents. Uh, you can give a dollar per mile or you can just donate whatever you want. So on the surface of like the physical, that's how I see that um, affecting things. And then the much deeper and more personal and uh, generally, I think the better aspect of this is what you touched on with interviewing these families. They're all going to be survivor families who have you know, lost their loved ones that are suicide, whether it be a sibling or a spouse or even a child, uh, God forbid. And uh, we're going to speak with all these these individuals. There's about seven families lined up thus far. And I think that that working in tandem with the run is going to be a really interesting campaign where people who hopefully, you know, if anyone stumbles across these videos, they'll be on YouTube, they'll be on all social media platforms, we're going to have links on. So if someone's uh, struggling with mental health in any way, and they watch these videos, and you know, their heart is touched, they can click the link, and it'll simply take them somewhere else, take them to uh, better sources of information, stop suicide and other, you know, prevalent uh, sources on the subject. When, uh, when this interview is done, I'll be very happy to promote anything that you like for this uh, throughout social media because this is this is so important to be able to allow people to understand that when there are dark times, there's always hope. There's always light at the tunnel and nothing lasts forever. And there's always people here that are willing to help listen or help put the right steps into the next areas to allow people who are in this dark path to come forward into a, a better mindset and i i've never like i've been depressed before but i i can not really yeah it's just this is just something very uncontrollable wow yeah i, I really appreciate you saying that I, and i will take you up on that from the sharing standpoint that means a lot um and you're absolutely right yeah um hope you know hope is definitely the most important component to this actually um especially when you talk about veteran suicide and ptsd mm. There's such a stigma there that like veterans get out and this is just what's going to happen. And that's so not the case at all. I mean, these are some of the most impressive human beings on the face of the planet who every single day quite literally put their life on the line for us to be able to sit here and do what we're doing right now, speak on a podcast together and replay. And um, the fact that they get out of there and people make arguments that, you know, oh, you don't have any job experience or oh, this and that. And it's it's crazy. So um, there's definitely a stigma with that. And the component of hope that you touched on earlier is what I what I hope I can get out of this for everyone else so that if someone is struggling with health, they can see, oh, wow, okay, a lot of other people are doing this too. And not only is it okay and acceptable to look for help, it's encouraged and, excuse my language, badass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you doing to prepare? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. Oh, man, I, I, I mean, I've been averaging probably 39 to 45-ish miles a week of rucking um, at various paces. And I've got an incredible strength and conditioning coach uh, named Rob Wilson out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, who trained me for, for Golden Gloves, actually. And he put together an ultra marathon, essentially kit on what to do with, uh, you know, stuff from, from programs like Altis and just really renowned um, ultra campaigns for uh, like ligament strengthening. I know that sounds weird, but um, from like a cardiovascular standpoint, uh, although this is, of course, a Herculean run, that is actually not the biggest issue for a lot of these great runners is more of ligament and tissue and structural stuff to mm. strengthen your like literal your you know your ACLs your knees um, quite literally your shins and uh it, your you know your IT bands so we're doing all kinds of stuff to counteract that with recovery boots proper hydration um, proper you know rolling out every single day deep yoga twice a day extreme run strength it's been a it's been a thing <laughs> what type of diet are you on? Uh, actually, my diet right now is quite funny. It's the eat as much as you can every single oh. day, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. has been quite fun because it's the total opposite of boxing and losing weight. Um, you know, Rob, obviously, I, I defer all uh, physical genius to him, if you will. And he's expecting from like a hydration calculus point that I will probably lose somewhere in the ballpark of 10 to 15 pounds along this run. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've actually just been doing a ton of strength work on the side eating about five to seven thousand calories a day to try and actually put that weight on so that when i lose it my body doesn't not going to be shocked i'm not gonna lie i'm actually fairly jealous about that diet because right now i'm on um, <laughs> yeah, i'm on a massive calorie deficit 
on top of that, I'm on the carnivore diet because I'm shredding right now. Nice. I've just, yeah, I've just done this um this two year bulking program, and at the end of it, because uh, I live in Australia, I weighed um 114 kilos, and uh, so quite heavy. And then after that, um, right now in about eight months, I now weigh 90 uh, 94. Wow. Um, yeah. So now I have like, I'm almost there with abs. So uh, close. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's like, don't get me wrong, with the diet, I feel like an absolute zombie because when I'm doing my workouts, it's just going through the motions. Um, but yeah, man, the, the results are, are really paying off and really yeah, happy I, with it all. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm actually going to point you to things right now i hate to use this this sounds like shameless promotion but it's not um there's actually two companies that are sponsoring this and they have changed my life uh in terms of hard workouts man you got to look up mud water and you got to look up pro tech because even on even on the carnivore diet um i don't know all of the intricacies of that but when you're feeling depleted all the time pro tech i mean they've got like hydration packets um they've got which are just i mean packed with electrolytes stuff like that and they've actually been what i've been using the entire time to stain on these runs and then mud water um if you drink it as like a caffeine i don't know if you take pre workout or anything stuff, but when you're feeling that dead because i did that during boxing is why i want to say that i know the feeling of feeling horrible every day of like man my mental clarity is foggy and i don't have energy for this workout um you know caffeine doesn't actually give you real energy if you're not familiar with that it's uh easily googleable it basically just blocks the uh receptors of your brain that tell you yeah. Um, so by taking stuff like lion's mane, cordyceps, all that interesting stuff, you, you get greater clarity and brain function you actually have more energy. So anyways, look up those two companies, dude, and get on their stuff. Um, I would be very curious the next time you and I talk, to see if that helps. Yeah, for sure. Because, uh, right now the diet is absolutely boring. I'm just having, uh, <laughs> Yeah, just 250 grams of chicken breast oh. with, um, uh, with just salt. So, <laughs> so oh, dude. Yeah, but it's just because oh man, it's like um I've lost twenty kilos in like in a couple of months, and uh man, I'm I'm just on the verge there, so I'm like oh come on, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely um check out uh those companies and see what I can order. Uh, I love it. Yeah, as the rock run progresses, what are your hopes for the impact it will give? to the public understanding of the issue and its potential to drive possible change. Oh, man, I'd, I'd circle back to, uh, you know, we, what we kind of just touched on a second ago um, with the element of hope. That's 100% what I would say um, is, you know, I don't want this to become, because, you know, it's always good to spread awareness for an issue. And this is such a tough, touchy subject, um, both with general suicide, but specifically veteran suicide, where, um, you know, inherently by spreading awareness, sometimes that's viewed as bad because veterans don't want to be continued to be seen in that light, which I completely think is, is, uh, is uh, justified and is really the direction we should be going because that's how those things come to be when the reality is, like I said earlier, there's some amazing qualified individuals out there. So um, my hope is, is to not have another dark campaign where you're just shedding light on an issue, but hopefully getting deeper to the root cause and showing how from different perspectives to move forward. And that's why I want to interview these families because who am I to say anything about this? Yes, I've dealt with this with friends. Yes, I've lost friends. Uh, most of us have today. Statistically speaking, all of us will lose someone. And I think that if you think about it, you know, who better to tell the stories, obviously, than the very people who love these, these individuals the most. So I think for me, these interviews are going to be extremely valuable from a stance of light and hope and grace. With that word that you said there, it's very powerful and it's love. And that's one of the most important things right now with so many people going down a very dark time. There's so much lo love in the world. And when people get very you know, upset and depressed, it can, it looks like that love isn't an abundance, mm -hmm. but there is, and there's always somebody there. There's always people out there, even if they may not be in the group right now, may, even if you don't even know anybody right now, time changes everything. And there's always going to be little tiny meetups that you can go to. Oh, and of course, I don't really, you know, I'm a little bit naive when it comes to PTSD. Um, but there's always hope and there's always guidance there and there's definitely going to be love. So a lot of, you know, it's, yeah, 
And I'm, what you're doing is with love as well. It's at being able to help people when they're in very horrendous times in their life. And yeah, man, I think that you're extremely noble for doing this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Alan. Yeah, I, I um, really appreciate that. And I think you're exactly right. It's so important to know that that love is out there. It's so important to know that it's really easy to reach out for help, um, you know, especially as men and especially as vets, you know, who are, uh, you know, essentially have a predisposition to being tough guys, which uh, is a good thing in many ways, um, you know, and in today's culture, sometimes that's frowned upon um, for various reasons. But as a, you know, everyone, obviously, but as a man, um, and as our statistics get worse and worse, more and more staggering, particularly with young men, um, I think having the courage and the understanding that reaching out to somebody for a counseling session or for help is not only not, um, you know, like we said earlier, cowardice, but is actually quite the opposite of that. So um, knowing that that love is, is just everywhere and that you can reach out to it so simply that I hope we can, uh, we can accomplish it. Beyond the Rock Run, how do you plan to continue advocating for military suicide prevention? And what message would you like to leave with those who support your mission? Mm, good question. Um, the message would be twofold. Number one, about hope um, and inspiration and non-darkness. That's the message I'd like. The other message I'd like to say to people who support is thank you, honestly, um, in any way, whether people give fiscally uh, or they just share the videos or point the videos out to their grandma who may not have seen it on social media, <laughs> whatever it looks like, just, just sharing the videos uh, in general. The message that I would give is to say thank um, anyone who supports this, because number one, even just sharing, I mean, that takes your time. Time is precious, so thank you. You know, giving money, that takes your hard work and your time. And it's not easy. You know, you have to click click on a link, do the thing, put the information in it. It's a whole thing. So to get out and uh, support us in any way, I would, I would truly just say thank you. Um, and we're actually going to have people run with me, by the way. Anyone who wants to in any part of the, if you're listening in the United States, you're on the East Coast, there's a grant, there's a good chance we'll be in your state or in your town. So if you want to run with me, come on and run. And I would say thank you. Um, and then in terms of continuous advocation, um, you know, I, I will continue to do what I do in my daily life. Um, to try to always be an advocate for that cause in whatever way that comes up. But um, I don't have the next ruck run planned per se, <laughs> just yet. <laughs> but, uh, but I can say for certain that based on um, what I've seen now, how many people are uplifting this, how many people are eager to help, um, I know that this will not be the last thing I do in this space if it is successful. I would say that. So let's take it back a, a little bit. And you were mentioning before that you were doing, uh, you know, forms of yoga. Have you ever done hot yoga before in the sauna? I have done hot yoga, yes. Um, I haven't done it recently because I've been trying to put on that weight we talked about. But yeah. uh, when I was in Los Angeles, I used to do it a little bit, actually. Yeah, and uh, I enjoy it, actually. Some people hate on it. I, I think it's quite nice. Um, it depends on what you're trying to do. But, like, you name any in the world and try to make an argument that being more flexible and more mobile is bad, and I would say you're wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate for stretching in any way, yoga in specific, all of it. It's all great. Yeah. Uh, do you do you do any form of meditation? Um, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when if I'm stretching, I'll definitely get into deep meditation and thought. I go into prayer every morning. That's big for me. My prayer time mm -hmm. is my form of meditation. Um, so that's really big for me. But when I'm stretching, I think I naturally go into that. And another thing that I have, which, you know, in terms of like defining meditation may not necessarily qualify. But um, like I said, my strength and conditioning coach, Rob, he puts me through a lot of breath work. And you combine the breath work with the yoga. And although you're not necessarily meditating in the traditional sense, you kind of are. Um, you know, you're, you're completely losing consciousness of what you're doing. You're not sitting there going, mm, or anything crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're, you're taking, you know, deep and uh, counted breath, different things, all kinds of like Wim Hof method breathing that work that uh, he's frankly genius at, Rob Wilson. And so we institute a lot of that into our yoga and mobility sessions. And you kind of naturally are, in fact, meditating. Yeah, I um 100% love and recommend breathwork to everyone. It's so I've been doing it for years, and I used to do it in the sauna. Um, uh, when I was living in this resort, and it would be uh, so intense. Um, I'll just get up to like maximum heat, and then do this uh, breathwork meditation, and then I'll write down uh, notes after the fact of kind of like recalibrating my my mind and my life structure but uh yeah it's it's so powerful for me i um i absolutely love uh all forms of meditation because it just it just helps ground and uh, with going to mental health it's like you know as i said before i've dealt with a lot of um depression when i was younger and meditation 
helped me tremendously. It was able, it was a place in my mind where I was able to have a form of a foundation and break up the cycle of feeling intimidated. You know, it's like if you, if you think of life, sometimes it could just be, why don't I have it now? And when, if, if it's going to change, how, who, who cares? And then, it, you know, it's like with meditation, it just helps me break away from that isolation and then just refocuses myself on like on a real positive note. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well said. I, I couldn't agree more. You've had an intriguing journey from being a Golden Gloves champion to an actor, writer, and producer. Can you share the pivotal moment that sparked your transition into the entertainment industry? Mm, yeah, wow. Great question. That, uh, that takes me back. Um, you know, there was actually definitely uh, there's a continuum of things that ultimately like led up to that decision. But there was a specific moment, actually. Um, when I was in college, I was training for Bud. Um, which is basic underwater demolition school for people who don't know. Like I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps. Steel. There's a moment when I wanted to be um, a U.S. Marshal. I, I had, I was, you know, like you said, with Homeland Security. I was studying a number of paths, um, and I was finding myself being really serious. Uh, you know, I was training for Golden Gloves. I was running, shooting, swimming. Very serious individual. Um, which I didn't like. I had a really good friend who was super nonchalant, and I asked him what his secret was. His name is Adam Valentine, and uh, Adam was like, "Hey, man, uh, I think it's the heat." So, 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 oh, wow. uh, so he takes me to a theater class and uh the professor there at virginia commonwealth his name is uh, joseph Oberman, and this day is a mentor and a great thing and uh joseph you know put me through the ringer of act and suggested i go audition for some local stuff <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just to get out of my shell you know so i went out and uh you know bombed a few and then i did the hut commercial i made it all the way to uh the final callback national commercial director and it was just pure luck i had absolutely no skills but acting in a funny way is like you sort of do years and years of work to get back to being able to not work if that makes sense like yeah so like be able to do enough to be able to have the conversation we're having right now on on camera without thinking about it. that takes years of practice to understand how why what etc so anyways i i got to that point and i just totally bombed the audition because the director gave me them, uh, some notes and I had no idea how to take them so it was just it was just horrible um but it, it sparked this fire in me and then I went and uh, I sat down with my coach we were having a discussion about um ambition and life and my goals and ultimately I want to I want to uh, inspire change in the world is really what it comes down to that and uh talked and he said listen um you know metaphorically speaking I think that um, Washington, being a metaphor for you know my military life, is great power. Um, but I think Hollywood is great influence. And at the moment, there's not a lot of people, in my opinion, trying to make positive influence. And I looked up, and I was on the corner of Hope and Grace, and I just felt like God was telling me to go do something. And in that very moment, I knew like, okay, this is my destiny, and I don't care if it takes forty years uh, or five years. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna do this. Um, and that was it. That was the defining moment for me, man. Sitting there with Joseph Obermuller on the sidewalk. <laughs> Rich- <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and it's like, to me, oh man, to be honest, it's, it, you know, you were going to Buds and you were doing all this military training and everything. You would have been such, well, I, I think that you would have just been such a hard ass before, <laughs> like just taking no <laughs> yeah, names or anything. But now it's like, uh, what was it like when you first bombed? And was it just, did you feel like, oh, this is this is kind of like what it's always going to be like? Or did you always just kind of keep your head grinding and keep in the zone? No, uh, good question. Yeah, I, um, I, I kept my head grinding and kept in the zone. I actually liked and enjoyed at that time the rejection for something new because it gave me a new new purpose, something mm. new. Um, and, you know, with boxing or really any combat sport, um, I think is a good thing you know it's just you there's no one else in there it's you and it's one other man and you're fighting quite literally for your livelihood and in some cases your life so you control your destiny whereas in entertainment you don't there's a million and one gatekeepers and they're quite literally either a casting director associate whatever you want to say a director a number of producers who have to select you so being there in that room at that time kind of reinstilled that that um that i guess less lonely thing for me um you know mike tyson and, and muhammad ali have great quotes about loneliness and that how brutally hard that that is which is not to say that i took the easier path in way. I, I love boxing still compete today um but for me i wanted something that had a little bit more community in my life at that time and i think that also helped me get out of my shell being so serious so mm-hmm. i quite i quite liked the rejection and i held on to it and i used it as fuel um 
and I can say that for the most part I will do today. Yeah, surprisingly enough, I can relate with that a lot. Like <laughs> when I was younger, I used to be terrified of all rejection and I used to be so uncomfortable. And then I, I started to travel around a lot more and realized that we're just all, we're all in this world together and no one really knows what's going on. And it's like, if people want to reject me because I'm just trying to live my best life, then that's okay. It's like, as long as I try to help people and keep motivated and keep positive, then then the only way is up you know yes. and and it's like you know with with this show or with my writing or with doing uh, professional photography or videography it's like putting it out there of course i'm going to get so many either negative reactions or people are going to turn me down but you know what that's okay it's just accepting that not everyone's going to like the situation and and just continue to move forward in a positive note and it's like just let it all brush off and at the end of the day if you if, you know when you do get rejected which will happen it's just it's a positive as well because you just get back up stronger and when you get back up stronger after being rejected you just get you just become way more powerful as a as an individual and build more character completely agree absolutely yeah very well said i i think the exact same i think it's um it should in some ways be mandatory <laughs> to yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you something funny uh so what i um <laughs> i haven't done it for a while but what i used to do is um do you uh, like you know when you go to like chat talk to a girl and introduce yourself so what I would do is that, you know, fire dwelling? Fire dwelling. No, no, no. Not familiar. Okay. So fire, when you have like, uh, it's, it's like a metal, sounds weird. You have a, it's a metal pole with two wicks at the end and you light both sides on fire. Yes. Almost like with hula hoop look, looking stuff. Almost. Yeah. 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 So I have, I had that. And so I'll be, um, cause I live on the Gold Coast. I'll be on the beach doing fire twirling practice uh and you know because i i go really fast and and uh you know it looks really cool and i would ask girls to go help video me for like a video and then after that i'll ask for their number and you know, like, and so i'd have to like what i would try to do is that i would try to uh improve my skills with either talking to girls or fire twirling and it doing it in front of a really attractive girl you can't mess up <laughs> so, so i do this whole like routine and like fling it up in the air and catch it behind my back and like put it, throw it over my head while it's going like really fast and catch it and then i'll be like hey thank you very much for um for videoing me uh i don't suppose that i could have your uh, number and then, <laughs> Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't work all the time, but it, it would. I don't think any other guy would be doing that. So, right, <laughs> you know, right, so right. Yeah. but when but when I dropped it and I just look like such a like a, a failure, it, it just burns the. It just makes me feel like, oh man, I have to get better, so I just train even more. So yes, yes, I, yes. I, I can relate with what you're saying. It's like rejection's really powerful. But yeah, I'm just uh, I just like doing different type of stuff as well. I love it, man. I love it. What inspired your move from Virginia to Hollywood? And what were some of the challenges you faced as a uh, beginner um, in your acting career? Mm. Um, the inspiration uh, is definitely um, an ambition in that sense. Uh, and then the challenges, I mean, so many. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me is that I literally knew no. Um, a lot of people come from states with a few friends there, or they come out and they live with their friends um, who are already out there. Uh, you know, they let other people go kind of lay the foundation first, water is a tool, um, or they know a coach or an agent or a manager. They know somebody. Whereas I, I literally knew absolutely nobody. That was a huge challenge for me. I had read a book by an acting teacher named Greg Wallace, who was one of my favorite coaches of all time today. And I took his book with me. And I, uh, when I got to Hollywood, I looked in the back of it to see if he had a, uh, an office and uh, an office address, which he did not. But I did a little Google researching and found his office address in Santa Monica. I just went there like day four of being there and uh, just went in and found the guy. I was like, hey, <laughs> to, uh, oh. in his classes. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, of course, you know, you can do my sort of basic day one nuts and bolts class. I was like, all right, you know, that's fine. Um, but one thing that I had um, is that I have, and a lot of successful actors have, like extremely, uh, either extremely high level or amateur level competitive sports as their background um a lot of those people tend to understand 
that competitive edge and like the fact that competition fuels champions not the self and so basically i was just like yeah you know like i'm not interested in that can i just do your your advanced class <laughs> and, uh, and like i had no experience at all and and long long story short i did that at, at three studios one of them said no the other said yes and uh being a stubborn you know 20 20 year old kid at the time i was like cool well i'm only going to do the two that said yes. and i ended up just getting my butt from a challenge standpoint everybody was so much better than me i embarrassed myself bad um but i learned really fast in my rate, yeah. my rate of growth was compared to what it had been if i had settled for going to the basic and that's what and you know a lot of people are going to make you do that and sometimes i think that's better you might get a better foundation um so i'm not suggesting any actors out there to uh forego beginner class at all but i am suggesting that um that challenged the heck out of me and it made me grow really fast Oh yeah, I uh, I absolutely love the hate of intimidation. You know, like, yeah. When you when you go into a room and you look around, and you're just like, oh man, everyone's just ten out of ten stunner. Like what? And yeah. then And then you're just so like intimidated, just like whoa, what? You know, I'm just gonna fail this. But when you stay, and you're just like, I'm gonna take this one hundred percent. And then you get bitter, talented, or learn just as much as them or if not become better there is nothing there's there's never going to be a better feeling of that success because it's like that that intimidation is the is the ego saying oh man i don't know if i could do this this isn't me this is this is something else this is this is all them you just put your fire your soul and your heart into it and then you become so much more man and it's like um when i first started out uh working out i weighed 80 kilos i was just like i was I had abs, but I was just only abs. I had no arms. I had nothing. Right. I was so skinny. And uh, I started off with calisthenics. And okay. calisthenics, um, you know, is just body weight workouts. But I made a lot of really good friends who were extremely talented. And they can do like one finger pull-ups on, on like clench and everything. And just intense guys. But they were so nice and so welcoming. And after several months of working out with them, with having a really good diet, I actually got a very good structure coming in. And I wouldn't say that I was able to do one finger pull-ups or planches or anything like that. But, <laughs> but it's just like being able to get to that stage of fitness is just so rewarding. Yes. Yeah, man. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. That's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you've had a, such, a, such a journey then. I mean, it sounds like you've been uh, taking it very serious for a long time. Oh yeah, man, I love it. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the gym. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, are there any specific sports or physical activities that you find particularly helpful for maintaining focus and discipline in your career? Oh man, um, yeah. I think any any sport that you give your all to. Kind of, I mean, you kind of just hit it on the head a second ago, really. Um, mm-hmm. Any sport that you kind of give your all to, and that encompasses you um i think is going to take you a long way in that sense um but as far as like focus and mental discipline i'm a huge fan of combat sports um i box growing up i do mma today uh like religiously pretty much every single day uh, at a gym here in nashville and one of my greatest regrets is not wrestling um i'm man enough to admit that um you know, in terms of one-on-one combat sports i think wrestling is superior to box. i think it's greatest sport you can do it's also hard if we're talking entertainment industry specific keep up boxing sparring you know you can expect to have a face that's hurt a lot <laughs> um, so, so with combat sports it's a tough one but i think grappling um, that just requires such immense discipline whether you're doing wrestling whether you're doing jitsu or judo really any form of grappling it is the most challenging thing you can do period in my opinion cardiovascularly speaking and mentally speaking and it just forges such a tough mentality and it requires that you keep coming because if you don't you will lose at least a slight edge on what you learn and you risk yourself so it's like it kind of forces you to take it seriously because if you don't you're gonna go and you're gonna get beat up (laughs) and that's not not very fun so you kind of have to keep going and that level of discipline if you apply it to your art uh particularly entertainment industry it's like you know it's tough because it's not a nine to five most people don't understand how to have structure in life they think okay well you know i i, I went to this audition today and I, I read a book you know i read a chapter of an acting book today i've, I've done my work i've I uploaded headshots like no you need to treat it as a, as a nine to five literally you need to find a way to mm. at every part of the day and wrestling boxing like any sport 
and you can play tennis at a high level. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. I personally like it. But anything that's going to help you with your structure, I think, is just uh, tier one in terms of importance of like, okay, this is this sport is forcing me to be my best self and it's forcing me to create structure for it. What does that look like in my acting career? What does that look like in my writing? Um, you know, if I work out for two hours a day, that's awesome. That's a lot. And pretty much no one can do that. But professional athletes will work out six hours a day. So if yeah. you're right, you know, and then you take that to your writing. And it's like, all right, well, if, I, if I'm writing one hour a day, that's a lot. Most people won't do that. But I want to be a professional writer. You should probably be writing three to five hours a day. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. um, so like any sport that's going to help. Yeah, 100%. I think that I think that there is always going to be a form of addiction for people. And my choice of addiction is work ethic and gym. Hey, man. And, yeah. But this, it's like just improving my mind with education or improving my body with extensive workouts and hardcore discipline helps me set myself in the in the moment. And and it's just the the more difficult it is, the more I enjoy it because I'm able to be in the present. So let's say um, if I'm bulking up and I'm pretty sure that you would feel the exact same thing. When you're bulking and you've had like five meals in the day and your stomach's about to tear open, <laughs> you're just like laying in bed at night and you're like, oh, oh man. <laughs> but that's the thing, you're in the moment and there's nothing else that you're really thinking about. So like, wow. I like that part right there. It's enjoyable. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, I agree. I totally yeah. agree. Or to be in the moment. Yeah, or when your body, after an extensive workout, you just, you're just like, ah. Oh. But it's all, pro it's all progress. It's like your body is hurting because it's healing itself. Unless if you, you know, worked out incorrectly and you've injured yourself, you know, in a bad way. But it's yeah. just like, if, you, if you've done it all properly, everything that you're doing is a momentum for success. So, yeah, that's why I love it. I, I can't, if, if anyone who isn't working out, if you guys could just go for at least a walk or anything just to break up the day, it helps you out. And if you do that with reading, like listening to an ebook or something like that about self-help or self-guidance, that there's also very positive too. I agree. Yeah, totally agree. Just taking that first step towards whatever it is goes a long way and it can compound into doing it every day. Mm -hmm. What has been, have you ever had a major injury? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, man, I've had a number. The biggest one is probably the silliest one. I broke my tailbone in oh. middle I know. I uh, I was being a stupid kid. I was on the back of a skateboard, and I had a rope in my hands that was tied to a car that was pulling me at thirty miles an hour. And uh, I the skateboard slid out from under me. I fell directly on my butt, broke my tailbone, hit my head, got a concussion. Thankfully, I was in a helmet. Um, but got a concussion and broke my tailbone. I had to wear and walk around with a pillow for a whole year of school that's like the shape of a toilet seat and they only make them for this injury or for babies so mine had ducks on it so i had a freaking duck oh. Oh, 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 how, how, how old were you? oh man i was in the eighth grade so i was, oh. I was like 14 <laughs> oh. oh yeah oh man i was about to say thank gosh it didn't happen like when you were like a teenager. Right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Peak horrible time. Peak horrible oh time. no, that would have been. Uh... So you couldn't like. How could you? Wouldn't. How could you lay down or anything? Oh, it was horrible. I mean, I was oh. on pain medications and tolerance, but that that pillow was. Um, you know, once once I had gotten out of the hospital, stuff pillow was a lifesaver sit on and they kind of gave you like an angle at which to sit um it was crazy it was do, you, do you still have the pillow not using it but just as kind of like a momentum i wish i could say that i did oh. i know i know i'm half tempted to hang that up <laughs> i know i know i'm half tempted to order a replica as a writer and producer what genre of themes are you most drawn to in your creative projects and why oh Genre, film, and television. Uh, I'm definitely going to go with drama and with crime. Uh, I'm really fascinated by drama and just like the human psyche, what makes it tick, creating three-dimensional characters, um, at least in, in a lot of our future work. And, um, 
you know, like True Detective, for example, specifically season one is my all-time favorite piece of television. I think um, the psyche of both the main characters and that, the dialogue that's delivered, the drama element of that show is just unmatched. And yet you also have this intense and intricate intricate excuse me uh crime thriller that's sort of weaving in the plot as the characters evolve so for me definitely would have to say genre wise i'm going with drama and i love some crime as well um those would definitely draw me the most as far as themes are concerned i have a lot um recently i've been really fascinated with grief um and not necessarily fascinated in a positive or negative way just in terms of what makes the mind tick obviously as i've uh, amped up my my research and everything I'm doing for Operation 22. I've just learned a lot about grief, and um, so films like you know Manchester by the Sea, films like that, um, really inspire me. When you you know you you see someone going through something hard, um, change whether that's an extremely large change in their life or even a very uh, minuscule change where they just you know get past one thing. I think that's really fascinating. Mm. I can I can relate uh, a lot when I when I feel the most upset. It's actually when I feel that I create my best work regarding mm-hmm. photography and videography because it's just strange. It's like when I when I feel happy and joyous, it's like you know there's a lot of saturated colors and there's a lot of happy you know images being taken. But when I'm sad, it's like it it just feels like a wave of various emotions all coming at once, and it feels strangely enough beautiful. You know, absolutely, man. It's yeah. Just, it's very weird like um yeah it's like i like to read uh, a lot of you know, poems or a lot of you know emotional artworkings and in a way it's it's a little bit strange because it's like when i you know when i get sad i have to take my mind out of it straight away because it becomes addicted to me you know it's like the the romance of sadness the dance of sadness becomes a very uh, you know powerful waltz and it's it can get it can become enchanting, and so I have to associate I have to just disassociate myself away from it as quickly as I can, because if not, it just puts me in a very art like very powerful artistic space, but it's also very negative as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, actually. Um, and there's I mean there's been many an artist throughout history who has suggested the same thing. Um, it's really powerful emotions, really powerful. And you know, we talked earlier about. Um, with acting, you know, doing all this work to get back to nothing. The emotions are part of it. It's like the, the, what separates the good and the great, in my opinion, in really any form of art, but acting specifically and writing, is the ability to authentically portray. And uh, a really good actor can portray an emotion, really any emotion. They can probably cry on cue. They can listen, react, and respond well and accordingly to the situation within the confines or, you know, parameters of their character. They'll, they'll be able to do that. They'll be able to get mad. They'll be able to get sad. But the great one can authentically do that, in my personal opinion. They have found a way to tap into what you just said earlier in their actual emotional state. And I hate to bring this up because it's, uh, you know, it's a tough subject, but, you know, like Heath Ledger, he was great mm. at a young age. And a lot of these people who are gifted like that, who can tap into that emotional state in their life that you're talking about, like you just said, you, ha- you have to get out of it quickly because it's consuming darkness there and obviously you know with Heath um, his life came with his life came but he was in my opinion on track to be the you know maybe the greatest actor of all time I mean he was an inspiration to so many people what a, what an incredible human being and there's so many other artists out there like that can tap into emotion like those guys can um man I, it's like if you can do it that's people see it they can see the difference in the work it's incredible I, I have I can't do it I have a master's I, I work every day towards doing it. um and, you know, occasionally I'll get lucky in a scene and, and, and it will be there and it'll be authentic, something that's true to my life. But um, the greats can seemingly do it on a dime. And so anyways, I, I think it's I think it's awesome that that you've figured out how to do that and how to also leave it, because that's an important part of it, too, is like you need to figure out how to do that. And then you need to figure out how to check check out of that if need be. Yeah, it's um, the way that I'll describe it is uh, it's like logical sadness. And yeah. if you apply, if I apply logic to depression, it's it's it can turn into a very uh, destructive place because it's like logically we're we're here right now, but everything's going to go away eventually. So kind of what's the point? And if I'm not enjoying my reality right now, then is there even a point to this? And and it's like when you start making these logical arguments with yourself you start going down this rabbit hole and 
and it ah oh, man it just it just gets extremely extremely rough because it's like what 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 is what's the what's happening you know and then and then if more bad news comes and if more people start distancing you like sell from you and you start feeling more isolated then it's like well see i am the problem and there will be a better place without me but the thing is what i do is that to get out of this logical constraint i create a list of all of the nice things that i've done for people and i start proving myself logically on why the world is why the world is nice and beautiful and and how I'm able to help people and, and the positive things that I can do for everyone around here. And it's like, I am worth people's time. I am, you know, a lot of people may not like me, which is okay, but that's also acceptance. And it's just pulling down those walls of isolating yourself and, and just, you know, it's like, I love hitting goals because the more goals that I reach, the more that I prove to myself that I'm not a loser. Absolutely, man. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It is a dark rabbit hole. And yeah, creating goals is huge, even if they're just really small goals, you know, just creating things that you, you even if you know, you can complete it. Yeah, I mean, I, like, it goes back to like Admiral McRaven's famous, make your bed speech, like get up and start your day with make the bed. And for me, that reflects the idea of compounding like from a mathematics standpoint in your life like compounding meaning like you know if you've ever heard the task you have a task if you've ever heard the quote excuse me give a busy man a task and he will complete it because it's like you you start off with making your bed and you win and that compounds to the next thing and now that you've had this victory you have a little bit more energy you brush your teeth a little bit longer your teeth are suddenly a little bit more shiny over the course of that month you brush your teeth a little bit longer and since they're a little bit more shiny you've got a little bit more confidence that day you spoke up in that in that job and all of a sudden you spoke up in that job meeting, they felt a little more confident. You got home, you did the dishes, and you had a better relationship with your spouse. And then the next day at work, all of a sudden you're in a promotion talk. And it's just like this mathematical compounding of doing the little things because there are no mm. things. They compound into major things in your life. Um, so I think uh, I think that's all huge. And I think like you said, logically finding your way to positivity um, is also key because a lot of people, if they have poor logical thinking, um, that kind of is where it ends. I think, okay, well then, man, what is the point? Of mm. And that, that's a much deeper and, uh, and, and more drastic conversation, I think, uh, than perhaps we have today. There's, you know, there's, uh, there's so much that goes into that and purpose and theme and depth of life. Um, but like you said, I think a really good way to start is to just logically put yourself in a position to know I do matter. I'm going to have a little victory today and watch as that compounds into much more. Yeah, for sure. The snowball effect of positivity. Amen. Yep. And and it's like the other strange thing as well is that like, I, I don't really think of what like it doesn't really work that well for me um, with uh, online uh, like comments. But giving somebody outside a compliment or yeah. just doing something nice for somebody like and not expecting anything in return, just strange, like a stranger dropped something on the ground, help pick them up. You know, it's like, yeah, it just it just like amplifies the goodness, you know, and then it's like. Like, you know, if you see somebody just down on their luck, you know, give them like a sandwich or, or anything like that. And it's just, you know, just these little small things of positivity also gives you like an immense feeling of like happiness. And it's it's free, you know, well, the sandwich might not be free, but it's the same. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is like just being a, a genuine guy or, or a girl and, you know, just. Uh, you know, either doing yoga or some, or go for walks or go to the gym or eat healthy, treat yourself with self-respect and understand that you were put on this world to be able to do something great. And anybody can do anything positive. You don't have to be a very special person to decide to help people. You just got to start doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely man i agree um i totally agree there's a somebody said a quote to me one time that was really interesting um and it's it goes for all walks of life um this guy's a christian so it's a christian quote but he said um he said uh who's more important billy graham or the guy who who showed billy graham god and you think about that and you put it to anything in the world right um whether it's you know any religion whether you're talking islam Buddhism, whatever you want to talk about Right? And if it's not a religion, whether you're talking about the greatest athlete of all time, it's like, okay, who's more important? LeBron James, the guy who taught him how to shoot a basketball. And then that takes you to that, like, oh my gosh, those simple little daily actions. Like, you never know who you're going to speak and how you're going to uplift them and what you're going to say. It's like, wow, you know, you go to, you know, you, you name your favorite person out there, whoever inspires you the most, right? 
your favorite quarterback of all time, your Tom Brady, like, you know, everything, who's more important, Tom Brady or the gentleman who showed him how to throw a football? It's like that those little things, and sure, you can say, okay, fine, maybe his dad's hard or something, but, but generally speaking, <laughs> you know, you walk down the sidewalk and that you give somebody a sandwich, who's that person? And if they become the greatest in the world at whatever that might have been, and you were the inspiration for that simple thing, I think that's a fascinating rabbit hole. Well, on top of that, to take it to like a, a real out there kind of you know, thought process, life itself is so rare. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like we're, you know, we're on Earth and uh, the, like, we haven't been able to find, well, I know there's all these videos coming out with UFOs on, on media, but who knows what's going on there. But it's just, it's like, what, just because we live in a city and we see hundreds or thousands of people a day and all these new faces doesn't mean that that's the whole universe. We are so rare and so powerful and so beautiful in nature. We just have to remember that. And it's, it's just like, you know, people can follow what, what things that they enjoy or what, what agenda that they like to follow. But if it just goes through positivity and self-respect, then isn't that what we're mainly all here for? You know, it's like just true passion of life and positivity and looking at, you know, our neighbors and saying, hey, man, hey, hey, how's it going? Having a, having a great day. You know, it's like, who doesn't want this? You know, just like living in a, in a nice area where everyone's, and I know that people have problems. and I know that people are going through a lot of stuff, but there's always going to be love. There's always going to be a sense of power and you know, there's going to be groups there to help you. So with everyone who's going through challenges, I don't, I don't exactly know all of your stories. And I am very sympathetic with, with you all. Um, and of course, if you're going through PTSD and, if, you know, if you've had a lot of these uh, challenges, it is very difficult. And I'm not trying to make it look small or anything like that, but there is 100% help going through your way. And please, this is a message to you guys or girls who are out there. We're all here together trying to help each other out and there's always a, a light at the end of the tunnel <clears throat> absolutely man yeah well said i agree yeah. like you said you uh can't uh downplay the severity of what any of it is but you do have to talk about the fact that there is help. I like that. yeah yeah so um the last question i'd like to ask you is is there anything you would like to say to your fans oh man <sighs> um Again, I will start with thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm really just so thankful for anybody out there uh, who followed me in my journey and considers himself a fan. Uh, you know, we started this conversation today talking about rejection and no's and um, that there is power in that, yes, but also they're, they are rejected, they are no's, and that hurts. Um, so having fans and having people who support you Man, there's just nothing more uplifting in the world. Every time I see a share on one of these Operation 22 videos, or I see somebody gave five bucks or whatever, just freaking inspires me so much to get up and go work double time to keep pushing the cause forward. And that goes for everything in my film work. When I when I see good critique or people commenting on like you know Paramount Network or something and just saying you know great job here, this that the other whatever, it just you know I see stuff like that and I'm like man, I got it. I got to go get after. <laughs> it inspires me so i just would say thank you from the bottom of my heart um and i'm I think you know a lot of people are starting to move this way in the digital age but i definitely consider myself one who um you know will respond so like if anyone does consider themselves a fan of anything we're doing or that we're going to be doing reach out and um you know chat i'll talk to you we'll, we'll do something um and like i said earlier with this with this run in particular if anyone out there wants to run with us they want to join us they want to live stream they want to do anything you name it we're here for it we want to support you it's been a pleasure, Josh. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure, Alan. Yeah, thank you for having me.